gonna have to set him back up for a for a slam dunk when he comes back. I'm throwing, I'm throwing alley oops over here, Adam. Oh, sorry. Uh, Jen called me really quick, and I had to take it. Jesus Christ! Wow. I will not be subjected to some cuckold situation on my own podcast, friend. I'll be editing that out, sir. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Welcome, everybody, to episode 43 of Ghost Party Radio, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of genre film hosted by two small-time cowards. I'm your host, Trevor Dillon, and allow me to introduce my co-host, it's half-Mexican Morpheus, Adam Cervantes-Wagner. Hey, quieres ir al rabbit hole? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad, Adam. Very nice. Um, so the listeners at home know... Um, <coughs> Due to his lackluster performance you're going to hear throughout this episode, it's because Adam told me he's feeling a little bit under the weather. What's wrong, buddy? That's right. Uh, I seem to have picked up a cold recently. Obviously, I still will go get tested just in case, but Mm. it's not so bad. Um, It's just very annoying after not having been sick in like two years or so, which was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully this movie didn't make you any sicker. Hopefully this was a little bit of a cure for your wellness. Yeah, I did have a little bit of nausea during the film, but I that went away right after. That's yeah. just he has a fish allergy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we don't have any listener reviews this week, so uh, this is going to be a hot episode, guys. This is going to be a very hot episode because we have a very special guest, uh, someone I've been wanting to bring on the podcast for the first 42 episodes of the show, but I wanted to wait for a genre that I knew he would dig. Big fan of the heist genre, all the way from the worst state in the union, uh, you know him by a few different names. Shane O'Mac, making cheese. It's Shane McElwain. Welcome to the show, Shane. Hey, thank you for having me. And yeah, I am from Texas. Um, well, are you from Texas or are you just in Texas? Right I, I'm, yeah. I, well, you know, we grew up together in California, which rules. Yeah, the second worst state in the union. Yeah. So, uh, Shane, thank you for being on the show. Uh, I, I'm going to ask you the same questions I ask everybody else. You, uh, you, no exceptions for you. But um, what is your favorite genre of cinema, if you could pinpoint one? And uh, what do you think makes for a good of that genre? So uh, when you were prepping me for this, it was coming to my head. Like, I definitely would say any movie that can make me laugh. But comedy seems too broad. So I really kind of enjoy that fusion of, like, heist comedy. Mm. Like, a la Ocean's Eleven or... I don't know, like Baby Driver, where it's like, you're not sure if it's a comedy or a heist movie. Just that kind of blend is pretty awesome to me. I know we wanted to talk about Ocean's Eleven. Adam just watched the trilogy, but uh, I do have a very special guest committed to that episode, unfortunately. So we did have to call an audible here, uh, a movie we're going to be talking oh, about. Oh, did we? Oh, did we? <laughs> we had some options, and we'll get into why you, you, you picked this movie. But um, uh, obviously, we're talking about heist films, like I've mentioned, like 10 times already. But what what is your history with heist movies on film? Uh, do you have any favorite heist movies other than Oceans and the movie we're talking about today? You know, just growing up, I just enjoyed the Oceans trilogy. It just spoke to me like when I was younger. I just enjoyed the chemistry of the cast. I thought just it's witty. It's funny. It's rewatchable. Um, I think a good heist movie is something you can rewatch even when you know how they pull it off. Like mm. being able to go back and rewatch that film and be like, oh, I see what they're doing here. 
um, via like, I don't know. Um, we've mentioned something about maybe doing The Sting. Like, I think that's a really good old timesy heist film where if you don't watch it for like a year or two, you can go back and kind of forget what happened and be like caught off guard again. I think that's a good heist film. Yeah, we so the two heist films we've done already in this series, uh, the town and heat are uh, very similar, but they're not they're not exactly the type of heist film that you're talking about. They're those are not really built around a, a singular heist or a, a trick or a prestige that might happen in the third act of those movies. There's no real fun twist in those. They're more dramatic, uh, and um, I get what you mean. You you like a movie? You, you like a caper? Yeah, yeah. Heist is a, maybe the wrong word. I like the build up to that one big score. And how you know how they done it. it? I mean, it's very interesting that you've brought in the movie that you've brought in today, huh, Adam? Yeah, I'll say uh, we'll see how it ranks later on in the episode. But I'm gonna fare not well. Well, to be fair, <laughs> neither of the movies we've done so far, Heat and The Town, which most people would call two very definitive heist movies, have not done well on the scale. So it is possible Swordfish does edge them out but you know rating movies is not the end-all be-all it's all about talking about the movie shane and let's mm -hmm. get into it man since so 2001's swordfish is what you brought to us today directed by the dominic cena how do you even say this dave dominic cena who uh people might know from gone in 60 seconds and uh some some late 90s early 2000s action flicks um the, the tagline for this one is log in hack in go anywhere get everything what do we think about that tagline are we talking about the same movie <laughs> well, yeah absolutely <laughs> let me they, let me check my notes here okay yeah 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 that makes sense now they do hack quite quite often in this film right and even the screenwriter's name is intense what's his name fox mcleod <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know that i i don't know who wrote this movie that's got to be a synonym right no, that's not his name. Oh, <laughs> uh, but his name—his name is similar to that. To that, uh, well, I, was I gotta at his pull stuff. it up now. His name is he, Skip Woods. <laughs> yeah, Skip Woods, who wrote a number of other like over-the-top movies, including uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Mm. Mm. Yeah, a lot of X-Men love in this movie between the Halle Berry and Hugh Jackman stuff. So yeah, he wrote The A-Team, A Good Day to Die Hard, which is like the worst Die Hard movie. Uh, that really bad Arnold Schwarzenegger, David Ayer movie, Sabotage, and then uh, both Hitman movies. Oh, and A-Team is terrible too. I just watched that. Uh, that's another conversation. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a few things I like in that movie, mostly just the cast, but yeah, not a great movie. Um, but yeah, let me go over the plot real quick, and then we'll just we'll just uh, take the gloves off, no holds barred, talk about this absolute Matrix ripoff. Uh, rogue agent Gabriel Shear, who's played by Hugh Jackman, is determined to get his mitts. His mitts. Oh no, I'm sorry, I fucked that up. It's actually Rogue Agent Gabriel Shear, who is very classically played by John Travolta, is determined to get his mitts on nine billion dollars stashed in a secret Drug Enforcement Administration account. Hmm. That's what it was about? Interesting. He wants to cash in to fight terrorism, but lacks the computer skills necessary to hack into the government mainframe. Enters Stanley Jobson, uh, uh, Hugh Jackman's character, a nerd-do-well encryption expert who can log into anything. Yeah, that's, yeah. His last name was Jobson? Like... Yeah, it's, 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 very much a, it's very much a Steve Jobs name, Stanley Jobson. Yeah, okay, I love that. Adam, when I read that plot out loud to you, did you think, oh, that's what this movie's about? Look, I don't think this movie really knew what it was about. Yeah. So it's not fair for me to say. Yeah, because, I mean, I 
I, I was watching it last night, and w w basically, Shane, now we just hop around. I'm going to give you the floor very soon to t just to hear your ultimate takes on the movie, and then I'll build off of it. Yeah. But I do want to say that reading this out loud and actually processing what the movie's about, does it makes sense on paper. I understand now that Gabriel Shear wants to fight terrorism. Uh, he needs money to do that, and he's going to steal money from the drug, from the DEA, essentially, which then makes the Halle Berry thing make sense, blah, blah, blah. This all makes sense on yeah. paper. So maybe... You got me from, like, A to Z. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you covered all the bases there. It's possible there, that old Skip through made sense, but whatever Dominic Cena did with it, I just... I, I, I truly do not understand what happens on the rooftop in this movie when the when the bus lands or whatever. Like from then on, like I think either my brain shut off or it just is so incoherently directed that I'm like I don't really know what just happened in this movie. No, yeah, my brain shut off after the blowjob scene. <laughs> yeah. Like everything that happened after that, I was just sure, okay. Like we're going to get to Z. I'm going to I know how this movie ends. I've seen it before. Yeah. And I, we don't do we do spoilers on here? Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. If you're listening to you, okay, he gets away with it. He pulls it off. There we go. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I know how that ends, but everything after the blowjob scene to that point is just, it, it's a lot. It's weird. Which yeah. was unconsensual, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When uh, they <laughs> Hugh Jackman, um, after that, it, it gets really weird. Yeah, after the rape of Hugh Jackman, the movie then gets weird. <laughs> So I, I actually thought the movie starts, like, really strong. Mm -hmm. Like, it has that, like, mm -hmm. that monologue from John Travolta saying, like, the moment he says life is stranger than fiction, I was like, okay, they're doing a Matrix thing. Like, oh, for sure. What did we say? He's white Morpheus. Yeah, yeah. Shane texted me <laughs> that he was white Morpheus. Right. And then I they also... have that cool explosion. Like, it starts so good. I, I love a heist movie that starts where a character starts talking about it, a much better heist movie. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Like, Dog Day Afternoon is like, it, it, like we better talk about that on this series. If we're going to talk about Swordfish, we better get to Dog Day Afternoon. Um, and I just, I, I just like movies that are, like, half-assed <clears throat> meta like that crack me up. But that, that explosion – so – I'll say this uh, before we go full galaxy brain, before I let you go full galaxy brain. Um, this movie has like three or four sequences that it's, if it's been 20 years since I've seen it, it's, you know, happy 20th anniversary swordfish. Um, I remember like four scenes really well. This opening scene is, I won't say iconic, but uh, the scene of course uh, with the, the, the hack, the hacky blowjob um, that that's really iconic. The uh, of course the Halle Berry sequence is very iconic. And then the end with the, the bus on the helicopter is, is sort of iconic. So for a movie that we might spend the rest of this podcast shitting on it, it does have some staying power in my mind, but mostly for the wrong reasons. Uh, so let's go full galaxy brain here, Shane. I'll set you up. What is with the casting of John Travolta in this movie? I on. <laughs> Like, on paper, it makes sense, right? John Travolta was still John Travolta. I think he still had, like, swagger in the mainstream back in 2001. And you said, happy 20-year anniversary. I think something else happened 20 years ago, and we'll get into that. Um, the, the casting in general in this movie is just, like, a wonderful coat of many colors. And it's so... it It's part of its charm, in my opinion. I mean, so John Travolta needed a career resurgence from Pulp Fiction in 1994 so 
Swordfish is skating off of that career resurgence, which he immediately threw away after Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. So when you say it makes sense on paper, I disagree. <laughs> I don't. I don't. This is like the yeah, but star. That's because you can't read, Trevor. Yeah. yeah there yeah. we go. I and like also... he, the good thing is he kept the Pulp Fiction haircut. Like yeah. it hadn't changed even like one hair strand. He just took that wig and put it back on. Well, I also wrote down that in the last scene where we see him on the boat with Halle Berry and he has like the frosted tips. Uh, that, oh my god! I thought no, I thought he looked way better like that. I was like, if he looked like that throughout the movie, I might have been able to take him a little more serious. It, it reminded me of, um, uh, and this is way way off the rails, but uh, Tom Cruise and Collateral when he goes all frosty. No, badass. No. That's a good look. Talking about Michael Mann movies during our high series is never off the rails, but um, no, I, I think that the casting of like Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry, like for a movie where it's like the idea is sexy hackers and we're gonna make mm-hmm. it look green like The Matrix, like that's literally the pitch for this movie. Um, yeah, I, yeah, make it green. Yeah, make it green like The Matrix. It's gotta look like The Matrix. Um, I think that that those two are, are are really well cast, and I don't typically really like Hugh Jackman, and he could have been switched out for for anyone really and we'll talk about our dream casting i guess in a little bit but i think the thing that really really sinks this movie is travolta in that role of like uh, now that i've read the actual plot of the movie after watching it is like being like oh he was stealing money from the dea so that he could fight terrorism so like he's like if this movie was like a like a three season netflix show you would be able to build out that character to where we eventually like the guy but having John Travolta play Gabriel, I just, I don't, I never liked him. I don't know if the movie ends with us. Adam, what do you think? Does the movie end with Skip Woods and Dominic Cena thinking that we like Gabriel? Hey, uh, if they did think that, they'd be thinking correctly for me because I did like Gabriel. <laughs> for real? Yeah, and I can tell you why. There's a, there's a few subtleties that I think John Travolta brings to it that make it really strong. And one of them is, uh, like, when they go to order the espresso and, uh, um, the, Hugh Jackman ex- orders the espresso first. yeah Hugh Jackman orders first and then Gabriel like gives him kind of a smile and says two I could be like well I could feel the connection here there's a little bit of respect you know I liked it I liked that what he brought to the table I don't think anyone else could have pulled it off Shane this guy just said espresso yeah uh, ex- he got yeah because he he's a... from the x-men there we go <laughs> okay not bad not bad um yeah no I, I, I agree I... I agree with Adam I I think that John Travolta does have acting chops, obviously, and it, this role was probably weird for him, but I think he does bring a sort of like charm and subtlety to the character that you probably couldn't have gotten from a ton of other people. I, I cannot believe what I am hearing at the top of this episode. I truly cannot. For the money that Warner Brothers paid John Travolta to be in this movie, you're telling me they couldn't find someone else who was going to be A, a bigger box office draw, John Travolta is box office poison at this point. Like, there's no reason to cast him as the lead in this movie. I, I, I and then you guys have both used the word subtle about this performance. I, I can't get behind it, folks. I just can't do it. Look, sometimes it's not about the box office. Sometimes it's about the art. Right. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> they yeah. sacrificed great This art. was Cena's vision, you know? He wanted to see this happen. He saw Gabriel. He saw John Travolta, and he made it happen. So this movie made $150 million worldwide on a budget of about $100 million. So what I'm saying is the movie needed a star. It didn't have a star because Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry are, aren't quite stars. I mean, I guess what? X-Men came out a year before this. So, so you know, th- I guess they're kind of rising budding, stars budding quickly. Stars. But they needed that. Denzel needs to skip making Training Day in 2001. He needs to star as Gabriel and Swordfish. 
Denzel? What about Nick Cage? That's what I was thinking. Well, Nick Cage is the is the slam dunk pick, right? Because he just worked with Dominic Cena in Gone in 60 Seconds. That was a big box office bomb, though, wasn't it? Gone in 60 Seconds. I'd have I'd have to look it up, but I, w- I would assume it was a it was a big hit. You're you completely know... wrong today, Trevor, on all things. <laughs> about what? What am I wrong about? About John Travolta. About box office hits. Okay, let me look it up. Box office mojo. Gone in 60 Seconds. Adam, who? If if you, I mean, if you had to do the unthinkable and cast someone else as Gabriel, who would you cast? Wouldn't do it. <laughs> you can the movie. It's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So I do like the Nick Cage casting, but then it would be very similar to a movie that this movie is extremely similar to as well as The Matrix, and that's Face Off. I got a yeah, lot. Yeah, I was of thinking that off. too. Um, you know who I cast? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I would cast Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Adam, he's I'm 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 telling you, he's arguably a more interesting casting and box office draw at this time than John Travolta. Right. Well, there you go. You say Denzel. I I was joking because I was saying Denzel should skip making Training Day, which he won an Oscar for, to be in Swordfish. I was I was joking. I mean, the other thing you can do is recast Hugh Jackman. You could get a Will Smith in there or something, and and you know then all of a sudden this movie's a big hit. But by the way, Gone in sixty seconds, uh, ninety million dollar budget. And made two hundred and forty million dollars worldwide. Oh, wow. So yeah, wow. failure. No, <laughs> no. The thing that really stuck in my craw is that Will Smith uh, famously passed on the Neo role in The Matrix. So Thank you would God. think, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. But you would think he would have been really, uh, like, really scraping around to f- try and find the next Neo role. And I think that's probably how the <coughs> the Hugh Jackman thing was pitched to Warner Brothers. Um, he also but, famously passed on uh, the Django role in Django Unchained. Yeah, but that was like, I'm Will Smith now, and I can't risk not being Will Smith. You know what I mean? Gotta stick like, with After Earth. <laughs> exactly. I gotta make, gotta make a movie with my kid and and hire a yeah. M Night Shyamalan ghost shoot director. A, I can't shoot honkies on the Western Front, like <laughs> the Western Plains. Can't do it. Can't make a can't make a hundred million dollar Quentin Tarantino Western that was a massive hit culturally and financially. <laughs> Um, okay, I have another interesting casting. I, I do as well. I do as with well. This movie, go and ahead. It's with Don Cheadle. Okay. So I love Don Cheadle, and I think anytime you see him in a movie, he might be the best actor like on the screen for sure. Um, even like in the new Space Jam movie, like he was like the best part of that movie. But he, he he didn't fit this role. He was supposed to play this like tough, kick-ass, like no nonsense, like crime detective fbi agent and it like doesn't he's not a tough guy it doesn't really work to me yeah it's interesting you bring that up because uh by the way we won't go over it but the imdb trivia for this is now officially my favorite i've ever read literally every trivia is a banger but one of the things they said was that dominic cena was like he was like hinging the movie on don Cheadle in that role he was like if we can't get don Cheadle in this role let's not even make the movie i'm like in that role like why he has like maybe like 15 minutes of screen time 20 minutes of screen time yeah I don't um but yeah so you, you, who, who are you thinking instead of a uh, cheetle in that role i mean i because i agree with you cheetle is uh very likable typically um and it's for him to play like a hard ass doesn't quite make sense here yeah he like looks at the guy in the interrogation room and there's like i thought this was just a funny small bit but he's like how much do you weigh before he tries to like toss him around the room like a badass <laughs> fbi agent doesn't need to do that you know right exactly <laughs> yeah he he definitely feels like he should be um behind he, he should be like the guy at the desk 
calling and talking the other you know you know that character in the movies that always talks the agent through like the simon Pegg to talk yeah Cruz yeah yeah, Tom Cruise, I, yeah. Any, honestly, anybody could have played the Don Cheadle role because it's such like a small role. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a huge cast. That's I, I, that was the one thing that I thought like was like, well, wait, why didn't this movie do well? Because, I mean, yeah, you alluded to it earlier, but this movie came out three months before 9/11, so we can't blame 9/11 and the the, the, the terrorist <laughs> overtones in this movie on it bombing. It has a big cast. Again, I I pinpointed the John Travolta thing. Uh, Shane, you'll like this, so I'm really preaching to the choir. But Adam. This is who I think in 2001 should have played the Gabriel role. Are you ready? I'm ready. Old Batman and Doc Holliday himself, Val Kilmer, baby. Oh, let's go. Okay. <laughs> that is good. That that is good casting. So you're tell you you might be like, well, Val Kilmer's you know star had cooled by then. He wasn't hot anymore. He he was definitely hotter than John Travolta at that time, and I think he would have been really really good as White Morpheus. I yeah, I love that White Morpheus. Um, I, I honestly don't think you fix this movie with casting though. Like we can probably go beyond. Like I said before, you can get from A to Z with your casting. Yeah. But everything else, the B to Y in this movie is just absolute insanity. I I agree with you because other than Gabriel John Travolta, everyone else is good in the movie. Like Halle Berry is good in it. Like I I really wouldn't touch much of the casting. Um, but you're right. It's just a convoluted. Do you want to know what the most insane scene to me is? Is the I it it had to have been added in after the fact because maybe there wasn't enough action in the movie. But it's when they shoehorn in the action scene where Travolta says like we have a tail, and then immediately he gets out of the car with both of the guns and starts shooting the cars. And there's that big oh, like yeah. I was like, what? I'm like, this is a transactional scene. We don't need, like, and it's a big action scene, too, and it adds yeah. up to nothing. He doesn't even immediately get out of the car. He shoots up through the roof and has two <laughs> guns pointing out Jesus style and fires yes. and hits both drivers. I just, I don't buy it. I'm not buying this guy in this role. Like, like we mentioned earlier, if that's Cage, you're like, okay, like, let him do his thing or whatever, but let, only let Travolta. Yeah. Hashtag only Travolta. <laughs> Get it out there. Uh, yeah, I, I got some real uh, John Woo vibes in this one. Like, they, like Cena really, really wanted to to do a Mission Impossible Two or a Face Off, and I'm just like, just let John Woo direct this movie. Like, why, like, why are we going to Dominic Cena? <laughs> John Cena's brother. I mean, as much as people want to say like Mission Impossible Two is bad, uh, boy, I do talk about box office a lot, don't I? Uh, uh, Mission Impossible 2 was the biggest movie of the year 2000. It, out it outgrossed every single movie that came out that year. So, John Woo was definitely hireable at this time, but uh, no, give it to the Gone in 60 Seconds guy. Here's the thing, and you asked, you alluded to this when we started this, about why did I pick Swordfish? Yeah. And I, I remember, I hadn't seen it in years and years and years, but I remember that it was, I remembered it fondly. And I, it came to me that this was an absolute dad movie. Like, oh, 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 interesting. This is a movie that you take your dad to, and he leaves. He got to see Halle Berry's boobs. <laughs> he saw some things blow up. There was a yeah. blowjob. Yeah, he's a happy dude. He's that was a right. kick-ass movie. He's gonna open up a beer when he gets home. Yeah, bro. He just saw something cool happen, and he's a happy dude. That's a dad movie. I catch uh, this is me imitating a dad. Um, I catch Swordfish on cable at any time. I'm watching the rest of that baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's like a dad's casino. It's funny you mentioned that because my ultimate my ultimate take that I have, and I actually don't write down notes for this podcast, believe it or not, listeners, but 
I did write down this note, and no, we it's, believe it. <laughs> we, if you've heard an episode, you know I'm not writing down stuff. Um, I might. Oh, I wrote down. It feels like a 13 year old wrote some of the stuff for this movie and kept <laughs> pitching it as, "Wouldn't it be sick if? Wouldn't uh-huh. it be sick if?" <laughs> and to be honest, sometimes the answer is yes. It is kind of sick that a that a, a helicopter picks up a bus. Like that is kind of cool. Like in practice, that's cool. Or hacking into a bank and the big explosion at the beginning. That looks terrible now, by the way. I watched the last 40 minutes of The Matrix on a plane recently. And that movie holds up. That's a perfect 40-minute stretch. That explosion at the beginning is trying so hard to go Matrix mode. I, I read on IMDb they lined up 135 still cameras in a row to get that that like kind of 360 thing with the explosion. And yeah, that the terrible. director, Dominic Cena himself said that when he saw the footage he couldn't tell what was cgi and what was real and hey <laughs> dominic it all looks like cgi pal <laughs> yeah, no. i mean it seems like the uh that's uh stony pepperoni's mo for screenwriting is that it is just 13 year old like style i mean you look at all the movies that he's done before it's just big budget explosion oh wouldn't it be cool if there's a samurai sword and it cuts out the guy's throat or something you know that's the whole thing yeah yeah, it, it is the sucker punch of the turn of the century, I feel like. I have a, a favorite scene, I think, or at least it's the one I thought about the most. Okay. And it's the scene where um, we finally get Hugh Jackman hacking that thing, and the whole scene looks like it was directed maybe by Tim and Eric. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? <laughs> it's, it's when he's drink, he's drunk on the wine, right? Yeah, and he's like dancing, and he does a few things, and he's like, yes, come on, come on, yeah! Yeah! <laughs> I, I really like any scene where he is trying to quote unquote hack something because it's very obviously Hugh Jackman just like slamming keys as fast as he can. Yeah, and and Adam, that scene that you're mentioning, uh, I, that's the one I put on my Instagram where he's where we get really funny close ups of his face, but then we cut to that wide of him standing up. I just I love it. It's so fucking funny. Yeah, it's a completely. I guess I mean that's what 2001 style hacking. But everything about this is very 90s. Even the poster, like, that's probably the reason yeah. they had Don Cheadle, because they wanted to look cool leaning on something in the background of the poster. I did like the poster, though. I looked at that. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I liked it, too. I wish the movie was more like it. <laughs> Gen- generally speaking, this movie, I, I'm, hey, I guess here's another insane thing that I'm going to say that kind of goes against everything I've been uh, fighting you guys on. But the movie itself, like... I don't know if, like, it's like HBO Max has really nice restorations of these movies. Like, I know if I put them in the DVD, it would not have looked as good as it looked what I was watching yesterday. But aesthetically, it looks pretty good. Uh, it holds up pretty well. And I would say the tech stuff, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I was half watching it. The tech stuff doesn't feel that dated for being 20 years old. And it, Correct me. Am I wrong on that? I'm not a hacker. I don't. I wouldn't know. But it, it seemed very early internet-ish, where no one really quite knew what it meant to hack something. Right. So if you just slam these keys really fast, and uh, what what were they trying to slip in something? He kept saying, um, I can't think of the exact word he used now, but a floppy just like disk. Kind of, yeah, just like nonsense stuff. But yeah. we don't know enough about tech at that point to refute it. So you're just like, yeah, that's how it works. I mean, yeah. if you watch a movie that came out five years earlier called Hackers with uh, Matthew Lillard and Angelina Jolie, I mean, that that was so early in the Internet that if you watch it now, everything is preposterous. None of it makes sense. But like watching The Matrix or Swordfish, I mean, I think it holds up fairly well, actually. I don't know yeah. about that because there is that scene where um, when they first introduced Hugh Jackman to like the whole uh, computer system. And it's that like screensaver of a cer- of like some comment going around in a circle, mm-hmm. and, and uh, John Travolta's like, "Isn't she beautiful?" 
I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Ew. And this movie is so 2001. So here's a mystery, a little anecdote we'll go on before we, uh, we, we, we play a segment that everyone loves on the show. Um, so I realized that my parents had this movie on their shelf. They had it on DVD. And that might go to Shane's um, theory that this is a dad movie. But then my lovely girlfriend Jennifer uh, said that Swordfish was the only movie her parents owned on DVD. Now, can we put <laughs> two clues together and make an assumption around the turn of the century of why that may have been the case? Uh, isn't there some sort of like sexiness to Swordfish that... <laughs> mom can get behind too you know <laughs> you're you're not wrong but adam you did you, well what did you say you got it right oh did it come with a dvd player so swordfish because it ate shit the box office <laughs> surely made a deal with a dvd company or dvd player company dvd players were new at the time when you bought the dvd player around 2000 2001 it came with a copy of warner brothers swordfish that's awesome. So every swordfish just made it, hacked its way into everybody's home. Oh, I like that. I really like that. I mean, it, it, it really dates the movie. Is like, oh, this movie came with DVD players. But um, Sam Jackson is Gabriel. What do we think? No, man. Wild. Keep it with Travolta, man. Sam Jackson is Gabriel is the black Morpheus. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's still white Morpheus. <laughs> I know. Somehow, yeah. <laughs> um. Give me Brad Pitt as Stanley. Sure, I like that. I mean, well, yeah, he's Brad hot Pitt's, still. Brad Pitt's too much of a character actor, I think. Hey, man, give give me give, hold on. I I just thought of this. Give me Brad Pitt as Stanley. Keep Cheadle. Give me Clooney in a, in a role. I was just Damon. gonna say. <laughs> Here we give go. me give me Clooney as um, Halle Berry. Yeah, <laughs> Clooney as Ginger. Just make it Ocean's Eleven for me, please. <laughs> yeah, let's just make Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> Um, and then I thought, give me Angelina Jolie instead of Halle Berry. Nothing wrong with Halle Berry in this movie, but Angelina. And then no, I realized, no, I, he tried that. Well, I realized, yes, exactly that. It's she's in Gone in sixty seconds, and she's also in Hackers, so it would have been very, very similar. And then yeah, um, he botched her in Gone in sixty seconds. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember her waste. much. She was only a year away from winning that Oscar when she made uh, Gone in sixty seconds. So good for her. But um, do you guys want to play a segment that uh, the fans of the show love? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. It's called How Does It Relate to Batman? Yeah. <laughs> Adam always is very bad at this. Guys, in any way you can, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, whatever nonsense you want to use, how does this film, Swordfish, relate to Batman? And you're gonna I, I know you're gonna want to go the route of Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry played superheroes and X Men. Don't don't even bother. That's not gonna ever hook uh, up with a uh, Batman. So this is goes back to you wanting to cast Val Kilmer. Yeah, that's true, but no. That, so that would have directly uh, been a Batman. Yeah, no, no. Uh, how does this movie go and relate itself to Batman? We'll start the clock. See, you nipped my initial dullard brain take going with Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, superheroes. Um, I don't know, Adam, any thoughts? I, I, I have a feeling it has to do with the heist scene. Mm, interesting. I have a feeling it has to do with the wire hanging somehow. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh what God. about the car? What about the insane car chase scene? Yeah, there you go. Uh, the one that I said I hated and it made no sense being in the movie? Yeah, but that seems very Batman-ish. Um, 
Um, usually when I say how does it relate to Batman, it has to do with casting and people. And did Skip Heard. did Skip War did Skip Woods write a Batman movie? Did Dominic Cena direct a Batman movie? Something like that, you know. Heard. I I don't think he did a Batman <clears throat> movie either of them. Um, all right. Well, time's up, so I'm gonna reveal it. All right. Okay. You couldn't go with Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry as X Men, but you could go with Halle Berry as Catwoman. Catwoman, oh. correct. Damn it. A famous See, foil I... to Batman. That's fair. I forgot that movie existed until you were revealing it at the very end there. <laughs> Adam, was that was that the most fun round of how does it relate to Batman we've done? Oh, absolutely. And it I was not, not fun. <laughs> I might have I, to stop I... doing that. No, no, it's a good bit. I'm just uh, I'm <laughs> dumb. I'm stupid. Um, I have a few more notes here. We can just continue talking about the movie. But uh, does anyone remember what kind of beer Halle Berry drinks when she goes to Stanley's? Uh, oh, yeah. She yeah, cracks what? open that uh, can of Heineken. Uh-huh. So it worked on you. <clears throat> yeah, it did. I wanted one of those cool cans. I mean, oh, I have an interesting anecdote here as your guest. Sure. I thought it was funny when she pulls up because it, it makes it clear that they're in Midland, Texas. Yeah. Have you guys ever yeah. been to Midland, Texas? No, but I've heard not. of it. I lived in Midland, Texas for a year and a half for work. And let me tell you, those oil guys are not poor. <laughs> they do not live in a trailer. Well, some of them do. But yeah, she made it seem like he couldn't afford to, like, wipe his own ass. Those oil <laughs> people actually make very good money, especially in the early 2000s like that, because oil was big. Yeah. Again, 9-11, but whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I thought that was interesting. I saw that and started laughing. Uh, don't don't ever go to Midland. Avoid it. Um, Speaking <laughs> of oil, uh, I was in uh, Signal Hill, a uh, part of Long Beach, uh, this morning. And uh, famously, uh, Daniel Plainview from There Will Be Blood owns a well in Signal Hill. Interesting. Yeah. Every time and I then, watch the movie, um, I cheer when I hear it. Do you remember what his dog's name was? In uh, in uh, Swordfish? In Swordfish, yes. Uh, no, it, it's like the name of a, like Lucy or something. <laughs> it was funny. I thought his dog's name was Judas. <laughs> like, how corny can you be? <laughs> I, thought it, I thought it was going to be Trinity. Oh my God! Not Halle Berry's the Black Trinity. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I only had one more thing written down, and that's um, this movie is streaming now on Netflix, which is really nice how accessible it is. So, if your parents back in the day didn't get it on DVD when they bought a DVD player, um, also Doctor Runtime is in Adam, and uh, ninety nine minutes on this bad boy. Yeah, yeah nice that was uh, that made it a lot easier to watch. That's for sure. Which I did they- think it was cool. It was R. Oh, yeah. Because, um, oh. like, Gone in 60 Seconds, I looked up, was rated, rated PG-13, which I think is, like, a weird rating to exist in general. Um, hmm. But <laughs> I, I don't agree with PG-13 being a thing. Just make it for kids or make it for adults. Make up your mind. Um, Damn, but, yeah. I really like that take. I've never heard that before. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think there's a market for, like, teenagers to go to movies without their parents. And, like, my parents didn't care if a movie was R. Like, if they wanted to go see it, we would just tag along. Um well, so. that, that's the ultimate failure of this movie is that it's not PG thirteen. Like all, like I mentioned earlier, the people who want to see this movie are like thirteen year old boys. Yeah. Um, and and Shane, you said that you know uh, you know dads want to see this movie, but kind of the middling people in the middle probably even in two thousand one looked at this movie and kind of laughed at it as being like this looks silly as shit. It looks definitely like a Matrix ripoff. Uh, J- John Travolta looks ridiculous. I'm not seeing this movie. 
but yeah they don't even utilize the r rating very well i mean yeah they you get the one thing that i think is like this movie's most famous for is we've got to see Halle berry's tits yeah exactly <laughs> i can't believe that was like a cultural moment we got from fucking swordfish but <laughs> here we are yeah absolutely that was the big deal and that the, the rumor around that time was that she got paid uh half a million dollars more to do that yeah. and she has since been like that is not true at all i did it because i wanted to get over my fear of nudity in movies and then i think she won an oscar like what three four years later for monsters ball in which she is uh, very naked throughout well one thing that would help me get over my fear of nudity like on a public like forum like that would be uh five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> exactly exactly yeah, i would do it for five dollars travolta got a razzie for this did you know that <laughs> did he okay <laughs> i don't know if he won it but i know he was nominated for uh like worst actor you know what he did win he won because the razzies do this stupid thing where they like um they combine performances so if like adam sandler wins a razzie he wins it for jack and jill and blended or whatever two movies came out the same year um, but tr- I'm, guys, I, I don't know where your mind's at, but, and I, I, ha- I hate the Razzies, but this man deserved it. This man is so, it's not his fault either. I'm, I'm with you on that. He does his best, but he's so insanely miscast in this movie. You got to keep him. It's the only <laughs> way this movie, it's the only way this movie works. I would have right. watched it without him. Hashtag only Travolta. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you guys say we move on to rating this film? Let's do it. All right, Shane. So. We have a very bulletproof system in which we rate movies in each genre. So, of course, now we're on the highest genre, and we've put together five categories. You're going to rate it one through ten. Uh, because you do not know the categories beforehand, uh, I will go first, then Adam will go, and then you can um, go third, of course. But uh, we're going to start here, okay? Okay. How sweet is the loot in Swordfish? How sweet is that sweet, sweet loot? This is an Adam category. Adam, explain yourself. Uh, yeah, usually uh, Trevor likes it when it's big wads of cash because that's all he cares about. I usually like it when it's you know something more creative, antiques or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, here it was digital cash, I guess. <laughs> Which in 2001 is pretty sweet. That's yeah, true. Yeah, they got Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, How much exactly. was it? Nine billion dollars. Yeah, that's pretty hefty. Um, so if we we can give it away now, I'm gonna give it a seven for this. A, a seven. I'm gonna go with a very strong seven as well on this. Uh, it is pretty sweet and. The fact that he has to go to a bank to get it and hack into it is the funniest part of the movie for me. <laughs> like, the, like, like nowadays, if you were to hack any system, you wouldn't have to go to a bank to take the money out, right? Right. That was a weird thing too, because they he knew he sent it to like I think it was Monte Carlo, and then yes. they just go to Monte Carlo in a bank there and just pick it up. Couldn't have you just been like, oh yeah, they're going to Monte Carlo, just meet them there. You'll you'll find them no problem. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll get to that because this movie, uh, this movie has a third act reveal that um, <laughs> it doesn't make sense, and also like the motivations of the characters don't really make sense. But again, I was watching the movie through the eyes of not liking the Gabriel character, whereas the writers and directors thought he was the good guy the whole time, which I, I think is very interesting. But uh, Shane, one through ten, how sweet would you say this loot was? I, I'm gonna give it a six. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We I, almost I, went. Jack. I heard the dollar amount, and I thought that was low actually for today's standards (laughs) like you're robbing like the dea yeah which it has much more money than that yeah so i I gave heat a a, a six in this category um you know when they they robbed the bank and val kilmer like is picking up like the blocks of cash i think that's only like 13 million dollars so it's getting the extra one (laughs) from me for being nine billion dollars uh okay 
here's the next uh, category. Uh, how diverse slash specific is the crew in this movie? Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't think it's that diverse. We have a hacker. And we have the uh, brains, I guess. And that's pretty much it. Everyone else is henchmen. Yeah, and Halle Berry is kind of like the uh, femme fatale that John Travolta will kind of use to do things. But uh, But he also... Well, I mean, you can't. This movie doesn't make any sense up until the twist, right? Because he pretends to like he uses her to hang her right in front of Hugh Jackman, knowing she's DEA, knowing that he's gonna shoot her with a bulletproof vest on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll throw out a number here. It's fairly specific. It's not super diverse, but I'll give it a four, a four out of ten. That's where my brain was going. Four. Okay, Shane, I'll I'll I'll, I'll we'll assign it a four from you. What about you, Adam? Uh, yeah, I'll give it a four. Okay, four. Not the best crew. No, yeah. no. But uh, uh, Swordfish so far, doing all right, though. Honestly, like, <laughs> y- y- the numbers for Heat in the Town are pretty low. Um, here we go. Here we go. Category number three. How good is the prestige towards the end of the film? So, Adam, when I thought about this movie, I thought, oh, this doesn't have prestige. It absolutely has a prestige. And I am so happy right now to, to announce that this, for me is an eight-star prestige at the end of this movie. What? Can you explain it to me? Yes, I can. So at the end of the movie, like I said, we learn that Halle Berry is DEA. She gives that information to Hugh Jackman halfway through the film. Hugh Jackman is also set up, and, and, and I honestly had forgotten about it, but remember the part in like the in the room where he sees like a <laughs> very, very, the body? Yeah. V- very the prestige, by the way, sees like a, a fake John Travolta head. And then he like <laughs> runs out and then John Travolta like talks to him. And then we as the audience just forget that that like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you got all of that, right? Like at the morgue, I, that I was the fake body. Yeah, blah, I didn't blah. realize that was a fake John Travolta head. I thought we were getting into some like clone territory or plastic <laughs> surgeries stuff well that's what i thought too i was like wait does this movie get way weirder than i thought it did but it's like no they're just only putting that there so that we can forget about it later uh it's just like an insane setup but no um, because that guy also one of his henchmen says like this guy's on another level man like he's not operating in our real life or whatever and so i was like all right there's gonna be some supernatural stuff going on that's just matrix foe bullshit (laughs) like saying that gabriel that's the other thing is like (laughs) again i hate i hate to harp on it so much but like I just don't buy him as, like, cutting-edge tech guy, you know what I mean, who's, like, always one step ahead. But anyways, Shane, what am I missing here about the end? So basically they get away in that horribly directed scene on the roof where he um, he says, like, oh, misdirection is how mm-hmm. Copperfield made the elephant disappear in the room or whatever. So he obviously – He I says, think, uh, what the eyes see and the ears hear the mind believes right so he blows something up as misdirection at while him and Halle Berry go I think what the movie is showing us is that they just walk down a down the stairs, stairs. <laughs> yeah I saw that they just <laughs> exited the building they just, they just blow something up at him and then they walk downstairs <laughs> which I thought was very funny and Hugh Jackman somehow remembered that in his brain was like oh yeah there were people who ran downstairs um and then uh, they get away to Monte Carlo, and they have the $9 billion. And they use that $9 billion, as we see at the end, to um, fight terrorists. <laughs> and you know what? You, you're you totally right. This prestige is awesome because you know they think that Travolta or Gabriel is the good guy in this movie because Hugh Jackman doesn't rat him out. Right. He doesn't exactly. be like – he's not like, oh, no, it's a fake body. He just, like, does that, like, sly smirk, like, oh, you rascal. I think he actually says that out aloud. He says, "You son of a bitch." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, 
you've tricked me. <laughs> just kind of that's how it ends. Yeah. Uh, what but... would you What would you give it one through ten, Shane? I, I'm a I, I think a good eight. All that's right. a good number. Yes, that rules. By the way, uh, nine nine billion to fight terrorism. It didn't work very well. Yeah, yeah, we. Ugh. Yeah. The, the whole plot of this movie really got soured about three months later. Well, yeah, but Adam saying that the nine billion spent did not stop terrorism. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, yeah. Wait, what's our category? Uh, the prestige at the end. Oh yeah, uh, I, yeah, I'll give it a. I, my heart says three. Oh man! I don't. I, I. I. mean, it's a dummy, and they set it up beforehand. Fine. All right. Okay. Category number four. How pumped up do we get during the heist planning sequence? So Shane, usually in heist movies, there's a sequence <laughs> where someone lays out all of what's going to happen at the heist. So we'll just. That's cut the, the greatest part of the heist movie. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll cut to the chase here, unless I'm wrong. They're it's with, a zero. Yeah, they're withholding information from us purposely to give us that prestige that Adam just gave a three, which is insane. Um, they're, they're withholding information, and they're not telling us what the heist is. That's why the heist is so goddamn confusing, too, because we don't know what. So the reason why in movies they set up heists and are like, we're going to go down here, we're going to do this, is because when the heist goes wrong, then the audience knows that it's going wrong. Whereas in Swordfish, you, you think the heist is going wrong at any given point, but what you don't know is that Gabriel's a step ahead of us anyways, a step ahead of the audience. Yeah, we're dummies. Yeah, we're the dummies. So we it's actually not even going wrong, blah, 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 blah. So how pumped to we during the highest planning sequence? I'm given a, a rare zero, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. There is no plan. Yeah. It, the plan is to, instead of becoming the Matrix, it becomes speed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, did you know that I've never seen the movie Speed? Even like right now as we speak? Yeah, 100%. I've never seen it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Go see Speed, please. Yeah. I know. I thought about throwing it on last night, but I, instead I put on uh, the Netflix show um, Love on the Spectrum, which I'm uh, really, really, really enjoying. I watched the entire first season last night. Uh, guys, I work during the day now, so when I get home, I have time to watch movies like Swordfish. <laughs> Adam, are, are you are you going uh, goose egg on this one? Yeah, big zero. Sorry. Uh, you know, no offense to... Uh, that's a triple zero. That's rough. Uh, I know. I know. It just, doesn't it make you reconsider that three you gave it for the prestige, though? I mean, the reason Ooh. why we don't have the heist planning sequence is because they want to give you, know you a what? prestige. This is honestly my fault. I should have actually picked a heist movie <laughs> for this category. And we wouldn't have gotten three zeros on this part. I, my bad. I thought about that the second the movie started. I, I looked it up. It was considered like a, a heist thriller type movie, like a hacking heist movie that I was like... Oh, man, this is not going to do well on the scale the second it started. But I'll say this. It's doing relatively pretty well so far, Shane. The zeros there's, there's, are... There's good content in this movie. I don't I don't know <laughs> if you can even call it a heist movie, though. But it is what it is. All right. Category number five, the final category. How daring is the theft in this movie? Adam? Uh, <laughs> I would say pretty uh, daring, Yeah. I guess. Um, so what did you give? Do you remember what you gave Heat in this category? Because in Heat, they walk into a bank in downtown L.A. to take some cash. I probably gave it a nine. Yeah, well, in this movie, they walk into a bank in downtown L.A. to take some cash. In broad daylight. In broad daylight, right in the middle of the day. Just With like a Heat. bunch of, like, oversized um, metallic ball Hummers. bearings. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. I think they had Hummers. <laughs> it, they did. Uh, <laughs> God, this movie is cool, huh? Yeah, you know what? I guess, to be fair, I'll give this one a 9. 
Whoa, a nine. Uh, so here's the deal. The, the theft itself might be daring, but the way it's portrayed in the movie is not that daring, right? They just kind of go in very casually. They just drive right through the bank. Um, they're talking with hostage negotiators, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not being... But that ain't the question. I know, but it's not being portrayed like... It's he... just well well executed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not my <laughs> fault they're good at it. But yeah. I, I'm saying it doesn't feel daring because of how good they are at it. Whereas in Heat, they're really good at it until they're not. And then it feels extremely daring in retrospect. So I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a seven, Adam. I'm going seven on how daring this theft was. I'll meet y'all in the middle with an eight here. Okay. I think when you consider the stakes in the mind of Gabriel, he's talking about he killed a U.S. senator. We didn't even talk about that, by the way. The whole senator bit, where he just finds him in like Riverbend, Oregon, and just shoots him into a river and leaves. Yeah, yeah that's one of our great uh, playwrights of the of the 20th and 21st century. That's uh, Sam Shepard who gets murdered in a lake. Yeah, they wanted to murder him in a lake. And then, like, river, I'm sorry. It that ends. Like, that's the end of it. Like, they don't talk about it ever again. It seemed like a big deal. So, you see, the stakes are high. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's okay. So, you say the stakes are high. They are high, of course. But, like, this movie, like, there's just no tension to anything. Like, you know, he, he, he pulls up, he pulls up in, like, a Black Hawk. He puts, he get, he gets set down. He he says like a, he monologues for a few moments to the senator. And you think, oh, what's he gonna do? And then he just shoots him in the chest. He gets it. Like, like, there's nothing subtle or or like interesting about most of the stuff in this movie. It just it looks was, and feels cool. The execution of the senator was the most patriotic thing I've ever seen. <laughs> By the way, one of the best uses of cross cutting in a movie ever. Am I right? Talk about. If, uh, Trevor, you said there's no tension in this movie. I was on the edge of my seat. What are they cross-cutting between in that scene? Between they, they're killing his uh, assistant, the senator's assistant uh, also, yeah, in his car. Right. Yeah, very very dark night, right? When the yeah. Joker kills all those people. Very yeah, that guy, had a, that guy got a rough deal. <laughs> he was just trying to you know, work his way up and just eh, pick the wrong guy. <laughs> All right, so this is going to be uh, – that, that was it. That was category number five. Uh, I guess we're done with the uh, rating system. Wait, there's a bonus category. Oh, my God. And this, Shane and Adam, this is going to determine whether this movie uh, – I've already looked at the numbers. This is going to uh, – sorry. And this category, Shane and Adam, it's going to determine whether Heat and the Town moved to number two and number three on our list so far because – Swordfish has a chance to pass them in this category. It's our bonus. It's called the Robin Hood category. So let me explain, Shane. In a heist movie, and I, I know you understand the concept of Robin Hood, but I, it's for the listeners. Um, <laughs> they usually, when people take money, they use the money for their own benefit. But every once in a while, like that old fox from that 70s Disney movie, <laughs> they'll use the money for good. Does the character in this movie by the name of Gabriel, who takes $9 billion from the United States government, specifically the DEA, does he turn around and use the money for good? Adam, what do you think? Uh, well, yeah, like we, <laughs> like we said earlier, no. What? <laughs> okay, okay, guys. Before you, I want before your takes on this bonus. This could move Swordfish up in the first place. Uh, the question is not attempted Robin Hood. It's does does the Travolta character does he go Robin Hood here? Does he use the nine billion dollars for good? 
What what happens at the end? A boat blows up or something, right? Yes. Yeah, he blows up someone with the brown name. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's like it's like some like I think it's like truly someone from like I- Iran or something that's like a supposed terrorist who's just so happens to be on a yacht in Monte Carlo, um, right outside yeah. where they just walked out of the bank where they put nine billion. Wrong place, in. wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for some reason, in order to blow up the boat, they need to drive directly towards it. And, um, you know, uh, they blow it up. They blow up the boat at the end, and then it just is directed by Dominic Cena, written by Skip Woods. And we're supposed to be like, oh, man, yes, now they have $9 billion. They can really fight terrorism. Because you guys, the scene where he shows every, like he shows Stanley, like, the Hummers and the guns and stuff, his big thing is, like, we're going to be such bad terrorists to terrorists that they're not going to want to terrorize America anymore. He said something like, they bum." They blow up a mall. We nuke a small village or something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Really horrid shit. Yeah, like horrible. <laughs> like, like basically, they want to instill so much fear to terrorists that attacking <clears throat> the United States is never even crossing their minds anymore. Adam, take it yeah. away. No, so I want to turn this around on you, Trevor. Do you think they're doing the right thing? Yeah, <laughs> let, you let the host go first. Yeah. I hate. Gabriel, I hate this character, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm going to give him a middle-of-the-road score here of five bonus points because I think he's, in his own mind, I think that he's attempting to give back with this $9 billion he stole from the American uh, government. Um, I'm going to give it a four, actually, because it is utterly ineffective, as we are going to see three months later in the real world. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, guess what, so, baby? This one gets a zero. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, rough. Look, oh I, I might God. give it some numbers if if the case was like, hey, I used a bunch of money. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna advocate for like change and peace talks and things like that. All right, I'm down. But uh, no. obviously, he's taking the villain approach. <clears throat> I mean, so yes. this is one of the things I've been wanting to talk about, and I think this is an interesting thing about this movie because 9/11 did happen like literally three months, less than three months after this movie came out. And if you, you, if you can believe say, in this is a this is a hot take. This is you brought me on for these. I have the hot takes. <laughs> okay. I think you can blame Swordfish, in part, for some of the rhetoric and dialogue that happened post 9/11. I'm gonna blame Afghanistan on Swordfish. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Shane, like you're not wrong. Like the rhetoric that was going on is very similar to what I was hearing from John Travolta in that scene where he shows Stanley all the guns and stuff. And who is more pro-America, fuck the terrorists, than dads? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so this movie, so are you positing that if this movie actually came out after 9-11, that it would have been a much bigger hit? It might happen. Yeah, I imagine never considered that. At, at least yeah. Travolta and Gabriel would have been a much more beloved character. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you gotta I mean, it's, agree. It's not, it's, not, it's not wrong, actually. Like, yeah, blowing up a terrorist boat at the end, you'd be like, yeah! You know, like, there'd be, we like, a bun- bunch of jingoistic uh, overtones to it. But as it stands, it's just kind of uh, idiot talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're sitting here 20 years later after doing that for 20 straight years, and I'm going to have to go ahead and give him a zero. <laughs> he did no good. Um, he's a scumbag. Uh, yeah, there you go. Way to go, <laughs> Mr. Five over here. Uh, yeah, I gave it a four. I gave it a four. Trevor was pro Afghanistan, though we do know that about him. <laughs> hey, Tre- uh, Trevor was... negotiates with terrorist villain. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was very very political in, when I was ten years old. Yeah, uh, that's funny. So let's add up some numbers here. Uh, Shane, you have given the film out of a out of a possible fifty points 
a 26 out of 50. Wow. How do you feel about that? Kind of bad, honestly. <laughs> hey, you, you picked it. <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, that's what my heart was saying at the moment, and I think that's honestly a score that Swordfish should be proud of. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a 30 out of 50, so higher than you. Uh, clearly, I liked this movie a lot more, and uh, I think it was a good pick for the pod. Adam, you gave it uh, the lowest of the three of us. You gave it a 23 out of 50. How are you feeling about that? That That is starting to reflect how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that gives this film a final score of 79 out of 150, and that makes it rank out of the three films we've spoken about on the High Series at number three. Uh, behind <laughs> Heat at 95 and The Town at 83. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, this now makes it the lowest scoring film we've ever done on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why you brought me on. Yeah, I, bring, but I bring the bacon. To be fair, though, uh, the heist uh, rankings have been have proven to be much, much more difficult than the, for example, creature feature rankings, space opera rankings, revenge mm-hmm. rankings. Um, they, I, I guess the highest movies that have been picked so far, but as you could probably guess, like if you remember the the ratings we just did, like Ocean's Eleven, for example, fits perfectly oh. into all of those categories. Yeah, it's gonna get like a ninety-five. <laughs> no, no, it's gonna get like a hundred and sixty. It's yeah. gonna it's gonna literally break our system probably. So. Well, that's the problem of not actually bringing a heist movie to the uh, the highest movie <laughs> podcast. My bad. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I didn't feel it was a problem at all. But, yeah. uh, Shane, I did warn you about this before the show. At the end of every genre, we do something called the Silver Ghosty Awards, uh, okay. where we give away – well, some people call it the most in-depth and serious genre film awards show in the whole dang world in the whole podcasting arena. Um, and we give away awards uh, from the namesake of our guests so or from the hosts themselves. So, for example, uh, at this year, at this season's Silver Ghosties Awards, we're going to be giving away the Trevor Dillon Award for Best Supporting Performance. It's bland, but, you know, I, I like giving away a supporting performance. Of course, uh, past guest on the show, Zeeshan Yunus, he's giving away the Zeeshan Yunus Award for Most Handsome Bank Robber. Uh, so uh, Gabriel's got a shot at that one, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And um, now we're going to be giving away the Macon Cheese Award for what? It's going to have to be the Macon Cheese Award for best hits in a movie. <laughs> that was the kind of what I remember from this movie more than anything. And I think that's what the world will remember. Your use of the word tits is uh, making me very uncomfortable. And it's funny <laughs> of, of all the terrorist takes you've had on this episode that that's going to be the thing that gets you canceled. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay i was gonna say knockers would you prefer that i mean it's it's a reference to uh, young frankenstein so yeah <laughs> there we go all right i so... have a i have a party bit of trivia that i wanted to hit you guys with see if you can get this please but before we go before you say that um uh, to be official it's the making cheese award for best knockers yeah <laughs> great take it away so on uh rotten tomatoes you might also like section there were five movies listed that were similar to this movie. Mm. We had Ultraviolet. Wait, are you not going to let us guess? You want to guess all five? I was going to have you just guess one of them that I thought was interesting. No, let us guess them. All right, let's go. All right, okay, this is a new segment. Yeah, okay, Adam got one. Ultraviolet. Uh, Ultraviolet. I'm, I'm going to guess The Matrix. No. What? Uh, no, Dark it's City. not on there. No. Uh, the, they off. aren't heist movies. Okay. <laughs> Which goes back to the uh, the point that I did not pick Ice Movie. Uh, um, Resident Evil? No. Okay, just tell us the five. <laughs> so we have Ultraviolet, The 13th Warrior, 
Walking Tall, Enemy of the State. Oh my God! And this Guillermo del Toro superhero film. Uh, I'll say Hellboy. I'll I'll just say Hellboy. And you go Blade Two. Yeah. It was Hellboy. Yeah. What? That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Absolute nonsense suggestions. Yeah, truly weird. <laughs> Very <laughs> insane. Uh, if you like this movie that underperformed and is weird as hell, you'll like these other movies that underperformed. Although Enemy of the State's a very good movie. Um, yeah. Shane, it's it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, thank you for being this interesting. I'll call it film. Uh, is yeah. there anything that you want to plug before we get out of here? No. Um, I, I'm. I need to go back and listen to the Norm episode. Rest in peace, Norm. Yeah. Absolute legend. Um, yeah. If anything, that's going to take my moment to uh, pay my respects to my favorite past human ever. Any uh, any uh, any clips you would recommend if there's a one defining clip? Because Adam, when you listen to our Minds of Memoriam episode on Norm Macdonald, um, you'll notice that Adam, you know, he hadn't watched like the Norm Macdonald roast of Bob Saget and stuff like that. If if you could mm-hmm. recommend one single moment from Norm that sticks in your in your memory, what what would it be? Uh, the first one would come to mind would be just like the moth joke. That's like the most easy way to get into like the mind of Norm. Perfect. Um, and then anything on his Netflix show after that, like when the let's ask the uh, let's do jokes segments. Yeah, it's uh, the Netflix bonkers. show is incredible. It's so fucking funny. I, I can't get over how funny it is. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you for using your plug section for that. Adam, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I'm going to. Uh be uh on letterbox as always at adam with three m's at the end um also my website adam jc wagner i post the stuff that i make um actually i have a quick question shane yeah uh, if you for your plug session uh section would you explain where this name making cheese comes from oh gosh uh Back in the day, I was making a, a character for an online game, an MMORPG, uh-huh. and uh, I was trying to make my character's name like Mac and Cheese, like a big Mac and Cheese, <laughs> Yeah, because that's where my 12-year-old brain was going, uh-huh. and I misspelled it. <laughs> um, so it became Mac and Cheese, and that was just my name. Wow. Wait, what game was this? This was um, Star Wars Galaxies. Wow. Very nice. Well, we we have actually been banned by a listener of the show uh, from ever talking about Star Wars again, and I'm actually surprised we didn't get too uh, too down the the Matrix uh, web tonight today. But uh, we'll we'll have you on again when we inevitably talk about the Matrix closer to the new one coming out. Been um, looking forward to it. Absolutely. And uh, my plugs are Letterbox at Captain Dills, personal at Trevor Dills on Instagram and Twitter, and as always, follow us at Ghost Party Picks on all our socials. Like I said a million times, thank you, Shane, for being on the show. I, I, we're going to do one final segment before we get out of here. It's a brand-new segment that Shane uh, mentioned earlier. I'm stealing it directly from the, uh, the Norm MacDonald show on YouTube. Uh, it's called Let's, Let's Do Some Jokes. And basically the uh, concept every week now going forward, Adam, is that we will think of a pithy one-liner or something. And you can't, have it, you can't have tweeted it, by the way. If I found out that you tweeted this earlier this week, I'll be upset. You can tweet it after the show, but not not before. Uh, Shane, do you want to join us? Have you thought of one? I, I can steal one from Norm that okay. I really like. Okay, fantastic. Let's go. Let's do some jokes. For, go ahead. Go first, Shane. Um, I have one of – okay. I used to think revenge was a dish best served cold. Now I know it means getting back at someone. <laughs> <laughs> good. Very good. Adam, do you have one? Uh, that reminds me of 
of unjokes. And I have one that I, I like my go-to. Uh, what did one lawyer say to the other lawyer? What? We're both lawyers. See, that's good. All right. And uh, I thought of this one earlier. Uh, Shane is in Texas. Uh, what, what part of Texas are you in, Shane? I'm in Dallas. Dallas. Is that con- it's not considered West Texas. It's kind of right in the middle, huh? It's right in the middle, yeah. Right in the heart. Well, uh, you know they call West Texas no country for old men, Adam. But you know what it is a country for? What? Young women. God damn it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Ghost Party Radio. Adam, we have officially... Fished the sword. Nailed it. Bye. Bye. Mm, that's a 10. <laughs>